Hey guys, this podcast is for you. I want you to know how to take care of yourselves. We, as the urologists in the Washington State Urologist Society, had years ago developed a guide to men's health in a pamphlet form. We realized we needed to be more immediate, to be able to present up-to-date information, and to reach younger people who use a medium other than print. For that reason, we have developed the original Guide to Men's Health as podcasts. And this is the inaugural podcast on men's health. In this inaugural podcast, we give you some background as to why we as urologists feel men's health is important. Listen along and you'll gain some knowledge to help you be healthy. So the question is, you know, what what is men's health? You know, why why does it matter? As urologists, we see men uh, in our clinic all the time, and one of my biggest frustrations is when men come to see me too late. And usually, the reason is I don't like to go to the doctor. They think they're invincible. Most men's approach is it doesn't exist or it's not going to affect me. And there's nothing worse than seeing a patient come in to see you who's worked his whole life, has so much to look forward to, and he just never got something checked and we find it too late. There's so many things that if you speak to your doctor about them, we can either help improve them, fix them, or ward off bad things that can happen. But if those things are ignored, the problems become big problems that often are much more difficult or impossible to treat. When I counsel my male patients on health issues, I like to tell them that promoting their overall health promotes their urinary health, sexual health, fertility, prostate health, bladder health. And I think that makes a big difference. So good sleep, good nutrition, exercise, um, stress management, these are really key factors that promote men's health. In terms of uh, maintaining a good balance between exercising and uh, calories intake and uh, controlling um, their diabetes or other risk factors that uh, a lot of them have uh, uh, and they have a huge impact on quality of life. Obviously as a urologist the first things I think about are, are urologic health but I think, I think as I think further on it just the stigma of mental health is huge. You know? Guys have similar rates of anxiety and depression and, and you know other forms of mental health issues, but there seems to be more of a stigma in talking about it or acknowledging it in men than there is in women. So I think that's a really important topic to guys should open up about. So it's my pleasure to interview Dr. Kathleen O'Connor. Dr. O'Connor is a professor emerita at the University of Washington Department of Anthropology. Dr. O'Connor is the lead author on the health initiatives in men, the HIMSS study, and is well-versed and very knowledgeable in men's health behavior. So as we explore men's health and entering into the healthcare system, I want to ask Dr. O'Connor, what, what prevents men from seeking care? Why don't guys find a primary care doctor when they're 20 or 30? Why don't men tend to be evaluated in a preventive fashion? Well, there's a lot of answers to that question. Probably one of the biggest reasons is people in general tend to overrate uh, their health, T 
to self-rate themselves as in, I'm in good health or I'm in great health. And men especially do this. They think they're in great health, even though they might have high cholesterol and diabetes. You know, well, yeah, they're living with that. And besides that, they're in great health. So they don't need to see the doctor is a, a, a big first barrier. Uh, preventative uh, health care is not on really anyone's radar in terms of visiting the doctor. They don't view visiting healthcare as preventative care. So that's another big hurdle. Another big hurdle, uh, as for many people, is a lack of time. And as clinics and places have started to have after work and Saturday hours, this will be better able to accommodate men who are hesitant to take time off of their job because then they feel like they're not doing their job. They feel like they're not contributing. So, uh, and someone else has to pick up their slack while they're at the doctor. So that's a big barrier. And just in general time, it's not a high priority in a very, in most men have busy working and family uh, lives. And what little time they have left over is um, usually house projects or weekend warrior or social things. The last thing they are interested in is going to the doctor or doing preventative care. And then a final factor that prevents men from getting care is they prioritize their families first. They view themselves as the caretaker. And so they put everyone else's needs before themselves. So that, that in a nutshell is most of it, there's more. <laughs> so Dr. O'Connor, in your study, uh, you were able to interview men uh, and some of them clearly were not as interested in seeing physicians as they were in seeing their dentist. They, they had a barrier to getting into their physicians, not only because of time or other motivations, but they also had some other complaints. Do you want to share those? Well, the dentist connection is an interesting one. The dentist is something they start going to annually as kids. They might fall off a bit, but once the dentist's office reels you back in, they've got you. And men feel comfortable going to the dentist, they say, because they get something out of it. You usually get dental floss or a toothbrush. Your dentist knows you. They make the appointment for you. They don't wait for you to call them. And that right there is a big motivator for men, is somebody else takes care of that for them. In terms of getting men to healthcare, Things that they suggested might work is when their employer encourages preventative care and doctor's visits, um, when their peers are engaging in health care and preventative care and going to the doctor. So those two influences are quite strong. But the strongest one of all is family. If spouses, siblings, parents, and children encourage men to get to the doctor, that can be very helpful. So family is a, a gateway with respect to health in that sense. But also having health care show up on their doorstep would be very helpful for them or in an easier setting aside from someplace scary like a hospital uh, or a clinic. Other, if, if doctors were available to men in other settings to sort of break the ice, that might be helpful and take some of the, the fear out of going to your doctor annually. So those, I think, are, are some of the ideas that men suggested they would appreciate. 
I've always toyed with the idea of employers having wellness days instead of just sick day credit. A lot of employers will give you X number of sick days if you're sick, but what about a wellness day where you're allowed, if you document that you've actually gone for a visit, might be just a preventive visit, just health maintenance visit, that you get credit for that too. That'd be a great idea if it was a paid day that they could go and go visit their doctor, take care of healthcare needs, and then actually do something really healthy like go for a hike. That would be fabulous. Speaking of hiking, there's actually uh, an interesting public health effort in uh, one of the counties north of us where they're designing uh, through the park system some healthy hikes. I think the Trails Association had something to do with that. Washington Trails Association. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting way of motivating people to get out in a pleasant way to exercise, take care of themselves, as far as getting more physical, getting out and doing something. And it's something you can do with your family, you can do with your friends, you can do with your dog, you can do on your own. And there's nothing easier and probably just about nothing healthier because evolutionarily, we are very well designed to be efficient bipedal walkers and particularly going up and down hills. So if you were to design a clinic for men, you're wanting to bring them in, what would you do in your design? Of the clinic itself or the overall project? Or the overall project or approach. Well, you have to get the word out there. And there's lots of social media to help you do that. You need to show up at the places where there are lots of men, such as sports games, football, soccer, baseball. Seattle's a good place for those. Basketball. Or other places lots of men congregate. Oh, I don't know, maybe truck shows or NASCAR or some of those sorts of things. But casting your net wide in the community and having notices up would help, but the more people you have involved in it, particularly doctors, where men can talk to doctors and get that fear factor of the unknown and the power differential between a doctor and, say, a plumber, that plays a role as well. Those would be good ways to reach out to men. And then uh, if we establish the clinic and want to make it a non-threatening environment, any ideas how to sort of soothe the entry into the system? Yeah, in your clinic you should have cartoon-style superpower supermen pictures on the wall (laughs) illustrating various vignettes of why men are not quite the superpowers they think they are or that superpowers super powered folks also need to go to the doctor. I say this because one of your former students actually came up with that idea. And did a great job of it, absolutely. So we're not being facetious here, it actually seemed to be a a nice break the ice point. Absolutely. Superheroes need help too. Absolutely. Well, thank you, appreciate your time. Any other thoughts on men's health? No, thank you very much, Dr. Pellman. It is my pleasure to introduce Dr. Kevin Laughlin, Professor Emeritus of Urology, Harvard Medical School. Dr. Laughlin has many decades of involvement in men's health. He has uh, agreed to speak to us today regarding some issues that he has found over a long career in urology regarding men entering into the healthcare system in a timely manner, prevention of medical issues, and his thoughts regarding men participating in their healthcare. Dr. Laughlin. 
Well, thanks, Rich. It's a pleasure to be here today and to speak with you about men's health. I think the most important uh, message to a man regarding his health is how important prevention is. Many men uh, see a physician uh, during their collegiate years for a sport physical and then don't seek out medical care again till they're 50 when they may be having some problems either in terms of erectile function or musculoskeletal problems and really those three decades that have gone by without regular medical care are a missed opportunity to do some things in terms of prevention that will pay off dividends for a lifetime. The most important thing a man can do is to set up a relationship with either a primary care doctor or with a urologist who can serve as a primary care doctor regarding many men's health issues. Things that should be discussed clearly, just overall health maintenance, making sure blood pressure is checked, making sure the, the weight is in reasonable range. Certainly, the man should be aware that substance abuse, whether it be tobacco or alcohol or drugs, have harmful effects not only in the immediate time frame, but long term as well. And if a man has a good relationship with his physician, I think there's a real opportunity to speak in a very frank way with the physician if you're beginning to note some dependency problems in your life. And certainly a physician that knows you well and you're comfortable with that physician, the physician can ask you, are you having any issues along the lines of substance abuse? We also know that obesity is becoming a real problem in the United States, and men, uh, certainly in their middle age, tend to gain weight. Again, it's much easier to lose 10 pounds than it is 40 or 50 pounds. So that regular follow-up, when you go in to see your doctor and the nurse does a heightened weight on you and then writes it down and compares to what it was in your previous visit, that's when you can really cut in the quick, if you will, the beginning of a weight gain problem. The ravages of obesity are not just limited to your heart and to your lungs, certainly joint problems, which a lot of men develop in middle age are related to carrying around an extra 20 or 30 pounds. So that again, maintenance is really critical in terms of overall good health. The other issue is, you know, as men, we don't like to talk about emotions. And depression is a real medical issue. Depression is nothing to be ashamed about any more than having high blood pressure is shameful. Depression is a medical illness that can be diagnosed and treated. But again, the watchword there is you need to diagnose it. And a lot of men don't realize in their own lives signs of depression. And if you have a good relationship and an ongoing relationship with a physician, that physician many times can pick up a change in your affect and a change in your interview as compared to six or 12 months previously. The other uh, advice for a man would be that whenever possible, have your spouse or significant other come with you. Four ears are better than two ears, and there's a body of literature that says many times, as patients, 
we don't really hear what's being said. We hear what we want to hear. And having a spouse or a significant other with you, many times, they're very helpful in terms of recognizing what actually was said and what the recommendations were. Clearly, two issues that are very important to men are erectile dysfunction and cancer. Well, erectile dysfunction, again, usually manifests itself in middle age. Fortunately, now there are numerous treatments for erectile dysfunction, but you're not going to be able to diagnose it and treat it unless you're seeing a doctor. And the earlier you intervene, the better off you'll be, not just in terms of the treatment, but also in terms of even prevention. There can be times when, although a man isn't having erectile function problems, there may be aspects of his general medical health, a high cholesterol, diabetes, uh, hypertension, things that have treated can prevent subsequent development of erectile dysfunction. And again, you're not going to have that information unless you see your doctor regularly. The other issue is there's obviously a great deal of publicity now on testosterone testing. And that's a very complex subject that has been discussed previously during this seminar. And let me just add that at this point, testosterone is a very complicated subject. What's a normal testosterone in a given man, depending on his age? What is reasonable treatment for a low testosterone level? What is a reasonable expectation of treating testosterone. One of the difficulties, particularly in older men, is that the symptoms attributed to low testosterone may just be the symptoms of old age. Um, and that's where it's very important to have a relationship with your, your doctor, where that doctor can interpret the testosterone level for you and make a reasonable recommendation of one, if treatment is indicated, and two, if it is indicated, what the best treatment is for you. And then finally, we've spoken about you know men getting their college physical and being alert to substance abuse. Well, the, the other end of our lives in terms of loss of cognition and Alzheimer's disease is another thing that, quite frankly, having a relationship with your doctor can be very, very helpful. As men get older, many times there's denial in terms of whether some of the cognitive function has deteriorated. Even a spouse may sometimes be in denial with the patient and say, oh yeah, you know, he forgets things, but gee, that's normal. Again, now, due to progress in medical research, there are now real interventions that can be very helpful in terms of treating and in terms of delaying the manifestations of Alzheimer's disease. And certainly, the quality of life is every bit as important as the quantity of life. A man doesn't want to be living well into his 80s if the last five or 10 years, he's really not going to be cognitively at the top of his game, if you will. So for all these reasons, in terms of preventive medicine, in terms of sexual function, in terms of depression, in terms of cognition, all of these things that are needed to be monitored throughout the decades of a man's life. And the best way to do that 
is to maintain regular visits with your physician because prevention and diagnosis of issues early on uh, is really the best strategy for a man to live a long, healthy, full life. Dr. Laughlin, there seems to be a recurring theme that we've heard with most of our guests who have contributed to the podcast, and that's that early intervention and lifestyle changes have a very positive outcome for the future and impact on a lot of lower urinary tract diseases. Absolutely. You know, many of the diseases of the urinary tract are diseases of aging, you know, voiding dysfunction, erectile dysfunction. Those, those are issues that, although they're urologic issues, they become more significant as men age. And that's where that ongoing relationship is critical because if you identify many of these problems early, you can intervene and prevent them from becoming significant. Well, thank you. We appreciate your time, always your willingness to contribute knowledge and your friendship. My pleasure. Thank you, Rich. This completes another podcast chapter of the Washington State Urology Society's original Guide to Men's Health. This is Dr. Richard Pellman reminding you to take care of yourself. The Washington State Urology Society wishes to thank all contributors who volunteered their time and knowledge. The information presented is the opinion of the speakers. The Society also wishes to thank Sean Fox for his invaluable technical assistance. Music theme, San Juan Bells, written and performed by Dr. Dave Whitig. The podcasts are the property of the Washington State Urology Society. Reproduction and use without the express consent of the Society is strictly prohibited. For more information about men's health, visit wsus.org or visit your physician or care provider.